This is More Than Work, the podcast reminding you that your self-worth is made up of more than your job title. Each week, I'll talk to a guest about how they discovered that for themselves. You'll hear about what they did, what they're doing, and who they are. I'm your host, Rabia. I work in IT, perform stand-up comedy, write, volunteer, and, of course, podcast. Thank you for listening. Here we go. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to More Than Work this week. I really have a lot to say about the Oscars and about the Will Smith, Chris Rock feud and everything, but I'm just, I'm not going to say it on this podcast right now because it'll take away from the message of the podcast. And I think that one thing, one lesson I learned from watching what happened is that doing certain things or saying certain things will take away from your message. And so this is more than work. It's about that. It's about the guest who's on. And so if you want to know my opinion, reach out, but I'm going to really leave it out of here because I realize sometimes on the front of the podcast, I might rant and it's really, it's taken away from the podcast. So instead I'll talk about the guest. Actually, I met a few of my recent guests on podmatch.com. I think it was, and they featured more than work. And then people applied applied to be on the show. And I had like 200 applications to go through. And I looked at people who really resonated with me and the mission of the show and the vision of the show, because not every guest and not every person who applied did that. And to me, it's important that my time is used valuably. And I don't know if people really know, and I think I've said it before, but you know, the podcast takes a while. I mean, there's like six to eight hours involved in each episode. It's not just the conversation, it's editing and promotion and stuff like that. So that's my time. And then there's the time of you, the listener, you're taking the time to listen to this. And I really appreciate everybody who's given me their 30 minutes to an hour. I know I try not to go over an hour, but it happens sometimes. And I I really value that because I know that you could be listening to other things. I know you could be doing other things, but you're, you're here with me. So thank you. But also just know that when I choose guests for the show, I'm really trying to get guests that I think are sharing a message that will resonate with someone. And I don't know who it's going to resonate with. It always resonates with me in some way. And I, I really enjoy these conversations. And so the person I'm talking to, she is someone that came to me through that channel. And I just thought she is really cool what she was doing. And it was really cool to get to talk to her about her organization, Lighthouse. I'm not going to say her name because I notice I always intro the person here and then I intro them in a minute. Uh, when you're listening to the podcast. So I'm trying to fix a few things on this episode. But um, we talked a lot about connection with other people and connection during the pandemic and the value of having people around you that you can talk to and get valuable opinions from. And I just, I won't say much more than that, but I just thought it was a really cool episode and really cool to hear about another person who had a job that they were working in, but decided to do their own thing. I don't see myself ever doing that, to be quite honest with you. I don't see myself as someone who founds my own business. Although I will say like having the podcast of my own and having the control over that is pretty cool and a a close place to be, but it takes a lot of work. And I, I know this guest works really hard and she even said she's working harder now than she probably, you know, or as hard anyway, but harder than she was when she had a corporate job. So I'll leave you with this. When you're angry and upset, be better. Think about trying to focus on the message and focus on the issue and not focus on your ego. That's something I struggle with. 
I have a lot of empathy for both sides of what happened at the Oscars. I said, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm not going to get too far into it, but I'm just going to say for me, I will lose my temper sometimes. And I've had to find ways to say, ah, I can feel that happening to me. I could either say something really awful to someone or I could take a break and express that, hey, I need a break from this. And that's what I do. And I just want people to think about in the frustrating situations they're in, how can you get out of that without hurting yourself? Because the ultimate thing is a lot of times when we try to hurt someone else, we hurt ourselves. That's what I'll leave you with today. Um, I think this episode goes really well with that message and you'll see why in a moment. But thanks for being here. Um, like, subscribe, share, anything. Uh, follow on socials, trying to put some good content out there. And I really want some some engagement with people. But thanks for listening to More Than Work. Have a good day or night, whatever it is. My guest today is Corey Spiegel. She's founder and CEO of Lighthouse. So thanks for being on, Corey. Thank you for having me. It's really nice to nice to see you and to have you here. So first of all, where am I talking to you from? I am in today, sunny Los Angeles. Great. So first of all, I just want to ask you, because I introduced you as founder and CEO of Lighthouse. Can you just tell people what that is? And then I'll probably go back a little bit after we establish that. Yeah. Lighthouse is a diverse community of really smart, like whip smart women who are going through life, various life stages, and they're all just trying to find their way. And it really just kind of took me back to a time where I felt a little lost. That's really why I I founded this company. I was working in entertainment. I really wanted to leave. I had been under contract after contract after contract. And I really wanted to talk to some other smart women that were in a similar boat that I was in. I had kids, still have kids, but at the time, you know, they were a little bit younger. I, I was being paid very, very handsomely. I really enjoyed what I was doing, but I really was mentally ready to leave. And I really wanted to sort of seek counsel. I reported Mm -hmm. into a board of directors professionally. So I kind of started thinking, well, why can't I have a board of directors for my personal life? You know, women that have been in the same situation, that were thinking about leaving, that had solid positions. And the truth of the matter is I really couldn't find that. And I really searched and searched. And yes, I could have gone to my closest girlfriend circles or my mom, who I'm incredibly close to. But the reality is, is everyone's got their own stuff going on. And we're all at different stages. And I really didn't want to burden them. And also, I think when you start talking to people that really, really know you, the opinions become biased. Sometimes they're too Mm -hmm. loving. Sometimes they're too one-sided because their intention is to always have, you know, be the best and be very supportive for you. And I really was looking for the good, the bad, the ugly. I was mm-hmm. looking for somebody to talk to me that did not have skin in the game, that did not know how I was predisposed to responding or answering or having any way knowledge about me in general, but could say, you know what, I was in the same boat as you were. And actually, I wish I had stayed or I wish I left sooner or why don't you, you know, maybe consider writing it out and for these reasons. And I could Mm -hmm. take all those sort of amazing bite-sized nuggets of information and then at least be able to make an educated decision based on knowledge and information. So when I realized it didn't exist, that was my answer. That was my aha moment. And I created Lighthouse. So 
that's really why why we're here. It's interesting you say you could talk to your friends and certainly I have friends that I talk to about different things, but then when certain things happen, it does become very isolating because either like for me recently, I'll just say if something has gone on health wise and I actually did isolate myself because I didn't want everyone to just say it's going to be okay. Cause first of all, no right. one knew that. Right. But second of all, that's not what I needed to hear at that point, right. but it's hard to tell people like, no, I need to actually hear that this sucks. And absolutely. Absolutely. The same thing happened to my mom. Like my, my family is all back East and my 76 year old, she's not going to be happy. I said her age, but going on 55 mother fell and broke her wrist and her hip. Mm-hmm right smack in the middle of the pandemic. I'm in Los Angeles. She's in New Jersey. You know, she's my lifeline. Like, so that therein lied another opportunity for me to do a class caring for your aging parents during a pandemic. It was for her life-changing for me, panic and just sheer panic about how do I, how do I show love support? How can I be there when I can't be there? I can't get into Mm. a hospital. I can't get, into a rehab facility. I can't be by her side to help her through this. And that was so ridiculously hard for me and so depressing and so gut-wrenching. I wanted to talk to other people and the response we got from that, which was um, so wonderful and so powerful. Even the Wall Street Journal contacted me and asked if they could feature, you know, my story and interview my mom because it was happening to so many people. Mm-hmm. Um, but where do you go? Like nobody's talking about it. It's certainly not something that you're going to freely post on Facebook and say, "Hey, guess what? My mom fell." You know, everyone's got yeah. their own stuff. But you, yeah. you mentioned the word isolating, and and it really. It feels that way when you're going through something very heavy and powerful and all you want is not necessarily a friend to listen, but others that understand and just simply get it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, Hey, I've been through that too. And yeah, yeah, it sucks. And that's it. And here's, and and here's what I did. Yeah. Come out on the other end or look, you know, we're total strangers, but we are now going to be connected because we identify with the similar, you know, stage that we're in. So we're going to get each other through it. I, I, I no longer view community as an indulgence. It's, it's a straight up necessity at this point. Mm-hmm. You've got to have people that you can lean on. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of community, I mean, I, so one thing I've noticed, and I'll just tell you about community for me, what it's meant, because I've, I've learned a lot about it just when doing the podcast for one thing, yeah. but also just, in experiencing different things. And I used to be one of those people who in work would always almost withhold information. And I, I'll say it's not a good quality I've had, but I think you, you may or may not understand that, but you know, I'm a woman in it and you, you're a woman in digital marketing and executive positions, but there's that idea that if I hold information, I'll be most valuable at some point, you know, and also do I trust other people? And I found now changing that at work has made work better, but also outside of work, like, with chronic illness management, with comedy, I do stand-up comedy, in podcasting, in all these places, community has been super important because it's people, again, who, like you said, understand, who can commiserate with you, who can give advice, whatever. And I think I think there's been this idea that a lot of people think, well, I have to solve my own problems. But I think that, that the reason we have community is to help with that kind of stuff, but not be alone. And is that kind of things you've found? Yeah, 100%. I mean, and I too probably was one of those people like, you know, I, I had friends that would always comment that 
you know, I to them looked like that swan that was floating on a pond, just effortlessly, seamlessly, just gliding. And I kept thinking to myself, man, what they're not looking at is underneath that little surface are oars and paddles and engines Mm -hmm. and batteries and everything you could possibly imagine just to appear floating. And I realized everyone's going through that. So there's no shame in that game. The community part and bringing it to the surface and actually talking about it. Number one, I wholeheartedly believe that you're not meant to do life alone. Mm-hmm. Number two, I genuinely also believe that there's power in knowing what you don't know and to have other people to be able to provide not just the perspective, but the wisdom, the compassion. They're not there to solve your problems. This is mm-hmm. not a, okay, let me tell you what you should do. You need to call this person. It's because life doesn't work that way. It's not a, you should. In fact, I, I feel very, very strongly about women in general should stop shooting all over themselves. There is no what you should do until you're in someone's shoes. And until you have all of the pieces to the story, which can always influence the outcome, you can't really comment. But what you can do is listen. And what you can do is say, I've been there. And mm-hmm. you know, that's truly why I offer classes, events, and series. I don't want people to come in and sign up as members. I want them to come in to sign up for classes, series, or events that resonate with them personally. So they're invested in the conversation, not because, okay, well, there's a membership fee, but, you know, seven out of 10 things I'm not really interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, but you you want people in the same room with you that have a vested interest in, in getting through this problem, this life stage together. Well, also, it sounds like almost a collaborative process in a way. Are people expected to interact and share? Because I, I know a couple of friends who... I'll ask, and they might even hear this, and uh, whatever, you know, people will hear it. Uh, but mm-hmm. I'll say, how are you? And then they'll just answer with, how are you? And I'll answer them. And then they'll investigate more with me, but they will never answer my question of, how are you? And it's like, mm-hmm. well, you're not participating in this conversation. You're just making me do the work of me sharing and me being vulnerable. And now you're not doing that. And so do you do you kind of see that kind of thing, too, is helpful yeah. to have Yeah. And in fact, you know, I personally vet every person or guest expert that comes in and I will always ask these people prior, you know, why, why do you want to sign up for this class? You know, what's going on? And I have had a few individuals over the last three and a half years say, you know, I just want to listen. I just want to hear. I'm not ready to speak. And, and I have declined having them Mm -hmm. join because there's judgment in that. You might not come across as being a judgmental person, but if somebody is being really raw and authentic and sharing, and like you said, being really vulnerable and open to sit there and listen, even though you're like, I'm just soaking this in, I'm just processing and digesting for my own benefit, that to the group, it might feel judgmental. It might Mm -hmm. feel like, oh, wow, you're that person. And that's not fair. The, the whole part of this is you're only going to get out of it what you put into it. So mm-hmm. if you share your stories, I don't call them problems. I call them stories. Mm-hmm. I don't call it mental health. I call it human health. Like this is what we're dealing with. Then really, why are you here? You know, it requires mm-hmm. you to do the work and doing the work is telling your story. 
story is your story and it's unique and it's profound and it's real. And the group is all going through something similar. So your end of it, your participation is all about, you know, contributing to, to the group at large. Mm -hmm. I agree. And it's like, there's a difference between holding space for someone because they need to talk and you're listening versus like being in a space and not participating. Correct. Right. And, 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 and I think it sends a message to other people like, is she looking at me? What is she thinking? And then it kind of derails the whole sort Mm -hmm. of conversation because you're so concerned about why is she staring at me? And meanwhile, that woman very well innocently just be like, wow, okay, there are others out there. Like she might just be hearing it in a different way, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's, you know, visually it doesn't resonate with the group and it's Mm -hmm. an unfair position to allow others to, you know, open them up, crack their chest, so to speak, and have somebody sitting there, you know, observing. Yeah. Yeah. And one reason I do this podcast is to help other people share their stories, because I think there's such power in that and people hearing them. I have found in different ways that I've shared my story, either as an advocate or ambassador type of thing in different for different nonprofits, where I share my experience to help fundraise and stuff like that. But also with coworkers or with people maybe I mentor, because I just feel like it is important. And it and also every time I tell my story, I almost learned something new about it because I'm putting words to what happened and and words to feelings and everything. And do you remember the catalyst for you where you're like, I need to share this part of my story. And, and when you made lighthouse and like what, you don't have to say exactly what that story was, I guess, but just kind of how did it feel to do that when you, you first did it? Well, yes. I mean, I remember looking for my, tribe of C-suite, you know, executive women that I could talk to and not finding that. But once I made the decision to to bank on myself and actually leave my corporate job, and, and by that, I mean, my corporate career of 25 years and do a complete total departure and, and jump into something completely different. Yeah, I feel like there are a lot of eyes on me. I feel exposed I feel like I'm really putting myself out there and that's uncomfortable. You know, I'm not one to go figure. I I don't like being in front of a camera. I don't like when that little red light is on, Mm -hmm. but I could public speak in front of 5,000, 10,000 people and not even think twice about it. It's just when it's live and, and I know that it's being recorded. Yeah, I mean, there's certain things that are just really intimidating and it's so beyond your your comfort zone. But I'm learning and have learned to get really comfortable in the uncomfortable. And, you know, I think everything I do scares me a little bit. But you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And that's really yeah. how I look at it. Yeah, absolutely. So just thinking back on your career as a entertainment executive and doing digital marketing and you know, you you worked hard to get where you did. I mean, to become executive level. What was it in that work that maybe stopped being fulfilling because you said you even liked your job? And then how is your day-to-day different now that you're doing work, probably working just as hard if not harder running your own company, but yeah. just doing different work? How's that yeah. different? I, I, I didn't not like my job. I just, it wasn't feeding me. I wasn't fulfilled by it. It was a lot of, you know, entertainment specific 
celebrity driven stories. And I signed up for that. And I love that world. And to this day, I still do. And Mm -hmm. you know, I have a lot of respect for the people that are still there and still grinding it out every day. So it wasn't so much that I, I just didn't like it. I just felt like, you know what, it's time for me to consider doing something else. And I think also because you know, when you live in Los Angeles and you work in entertainment, contracts are a real thing. And out here, mm-hmm. they're pretty long. And obviously, as anyone knows, the contracts are always, you know, to the benefit of the employer, yeah. not the employee. And and they're substantial. And before I was willing to sort of hunker down and lock back down into that opportunity, I really wanted to see what else was out there. To your point, I mean, I worked harder and longer hours than I've ever done in my life. But I really, I'm a people person and I love meeting different people and I love hearing about their stories. And I love knowing that there really isn't a straight path to get from A to Z. And there are so many people that get from here to here But the ways in which they get there are so unique and so different and so interesting that I just, I'm honored to be able to listen to them and hear them. And the topics that I choose are really based on my own life. I mean, there Mm -hmm. are things that are either happening to me, have happened, I'm anticipating on happening. And, you know, those are the things where I always feel that somewhere, somehow, some way, some woman has already experienced or been through it. And it's okay, send back the wisdom, send back the teachings and the learnings. So all of us coming through, you know, pave the way and, and share what you know, yeah. and pass it down. And as far as just it being all women, I mean, I, I understand the importance of having other women to talk to about certain things versus men and women or something. But how did you make that decision that it sh- this should be exclusively for women and inclusive of, of women? Yeah, it was, it was actually pretty interesting because the decision to make it really, you know, dedicated for women, women talk a lot. You know, we are, we are, we're we're sharers. We, we want to talk. We're willing to sit down and have those conversations and we're willing to open up. And I have a ton of guy friends, you know, and I I just don't think that they're susceptible or, or really open to sharing their feelings, which, you know, I'm sure every guy right now is probably cringing, but we're not, we don't not allow men. In fact, we are right smack in the middle of our first series. That's for men only Great. Um, with a, you know, a male expert that's moderating the class, you know, so we, we are trying, I, I don't pretend to understand a different gender and how their brain works, but the reality just was, you know, a lot of women wanted to talk and they're more conversational. I guess it's the better way. Like they just, the, they're the ones that are asking the questions. They're the ones that I've had the conversations with. So it just seemed like a natural fit to target the business specifically geared towards them. Yeah. Well, and certain subjects I think are less comfortable or don't feel as safe with depending on who's in the room. Right. And even for, for men, I mean, I, w- I would say, you know, having some empathy for people who have faced certain things now, like if you look at me too, and there are a lot of men who are 
being looked at in a certain way that maybe it's not really them. And so, but they're also trying to be supportive and allies and that's probably really hard, yeah. but I would, I don't think that they should come to women and complain about it. You know? right. so, yeah, I, yeah, exactly. And also, you know, there's, there's, you know, th- because of all that stuff, there's so much fear, you know, mm-hmm. and there's so much confusion as to what you can say, what you can't say, what's politically correct. Mm-hmm. There's so many guardrails and like cancel culture. Like I think yeah. there's, there's a lot of yeah, fear, you know, just about what you can and cannot say. Does that make you culpable in some way? Does that make mm-hmm. you, well, you acknowledge and you didn't say anything. Like I think things can be interpreted in so many different ways that, you know, I think a lot of people yeah. these days are like, you know what? I'm just going to not say anything because it'll yeah. be, you know, it's easier to stay quiet than to come forward and say something. Yeah. And I'm one of those people who will say something and who will risk it. And then, but then, who will also be like, oh yeah, that was a mistake, you know? We, but all, like, I, and, 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 we all have that. Yeah, yeah and I think we all need to be gracious about mistakes. I think there's a difference between intentionally hurting people and saying things that are intentionally hurtful, or you know, I mean, if I'm saying something racist right now, obviously I know what I'm doing, right. but there's also just ways of navigating new language and stuff. And so yeah. I think it's important to have people you trust. And you mentioned even confidentiality earlier and just like, but yeah, having people you trust to do those things. I think what's also really important is the tone in which the statement is delivered, the mm. delivery itself. And, you know, overall, what what I've I have learned certainly through my career and now doing this is that there really are various perspectives to every story. And just because mm. you see something the way you see, you have to allow for the fact that somebody else is going to have a completely different perspective about the same exact reality and the same yeah. story. But that doesn't make their perspective wrong or right. It's just listening and being able to say, okay, you know what? I don't think I agree with that, but I understand how one would think that way. And it it takes everybody. It's not just like it diffuses everything a little bit. It kind of just, it it demands a moment of pause and Mm -hmm. okay, wait, did I contribute to this in any way? Could I personally have handled this in a different way? It's a little bit about self-growth and and Mm -hmm. taking that beat to realize how your words and or actions may have contributed or inflamed a situation, or maybe Mm -hmm. you didn't, but just to kind of rewind and listen and hear how somebody else may have positioned that. I find it fascinating. I've always said that the person that learns the most and benefits the most out of my classes is me. And, Mm -hmm. And I stand by that because- there are so many times where it's my job to come up with these, the content and to be the moderator and to vet the people and vet the experts that there've been countless times where I will be on a call or will be in person and someone will say something. And I'm like, huh? Yeah. Wait a minute. Before I like do my job, I need to hear that again. That's really powerful. That's really interesting. And you know, Mm -hmm. you bring up a really good point. You got to be open that way. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And open to being wrong. I mean, that's a big thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I'll often, for me, like I will feel myself physically reacting to something and I'll actually think I sounded worse or said something worse than I said. And, and I've had it happen before. Where I apologize. And the person's like, I didn't even know you were mad. So I'm like, oh, yeah. really? Because like inside I was. Yeah. And so it's interesting too, like even the perspective I had 
of putting me in a really bad light was different than someone else's perspective of me, not that negative. And yes, that's yes. a beneficial position to be in. It's better than to be yes. hyper self-aware in that way. I think than yes. the other way, but still. Yeah, but it yeah. is, it, it, it all does lean back to self-awareness and self-discovery and also just helping others offering, Hey, you know what? I was in a similar situation and I had made some bad decisions and I wish I could go back and course correct and, but I can't. Mm-hmm. So let me share with you where I personally think I went wrong so that if it helps you moving forward, you at least have the information and the knowledge at hand. Yeah, that's great. And that's a, like a brave space to be in. So has changing to your own company, has it affected your personal life as far as being a parent or I don't know if you have a partner, but anything like that? Has that Have you found that it changed that too dynamic in your life? Yeah, I have, I have two kids and I am married. I married my high school sweetheart um, who also happens to be still in the entertainment space. The biggest thing that I would say that I'm learning and I, I, I definitely pride myself on the fact that I've gotten better, but have a lot more work to do is setting boundaries. You know, I, when it was different, when I had a, an office to go to now, my office is at home, which again is a blessing and a, a curse at the same time. But it's when you are a solo, a solopreneur, you're doing everything at all hours of the day. So it, I, I make a very serious effort to close the door, lock the door, keep my computer in the office, like turn it off. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I'm not so good at that. And it's very difficult because you want to be present. You want to be there for the mom, you know, the mom, all all the parts of the mom uh, are being a mom and being a wife. And I'm improving. Let's just say we're making tremendous strides. But yeah, yeah, it definitely can be very, very taxing because, you know, there's, there's always something that needs to be done. And there's always something that needs to be done with the family. It's just, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like... I need to make a deposit in my business today. I need to make a deposit as a mother today. I need to make a deposit as a friend, as a wife, as a daughter. And sometimes those, you know, not every bucket gets full every single time. So it's it's just bandwidth and and you do what you can do one day at a time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that and that is tricky. And I think you're right. Just the physical boundaries, but also the time boundaries and then emotional boundaries, everything. I mean, it's like you can't be in the middle of putting a contract together and then just all of a sudden, oh, okay, it's time to switch that off and it's time to jump into dinner time. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I'd like to say, oh yeah, no problem. Just, you know, cut that fuse that, you know, for now, but you ruminate and you're like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. But meanwhile, you just want to go back and finish it. (laughs) It it is definitely a, a, a tough thing to do. Yeah, we call that context switching in software development, especially for developers. Like if they have to be in meetings and you lose so much productivity time by switching back and forth. And even that whole idea of multitasking is really a fallacy because like, if I was multitasking right now, like, oh, I'm trying to do like three things while I'm talking to you, it wouldn't work. Oh, you know? I know. Oh, I know. But yet, but yet we do do it, which is mm-hmm. probably also why I go to bed at like 730 at night because... <laughs> The only way to, to not do anything is to close the eyes and make it dark. And that way, physically, you can't do anything. It's you like, can't. you can't. So, yeah. but yeah, it's, I'm a work in progress that way. So kind of along these lines, but one thing I, I like to ask people, because I, I think it's clear to me, you know, that this work is more meaningful to you personally than 
your other work, even though you liked your job. Like there's no doubt about Absolutely. that, but there, it's, it's different. And, but what are you doing now? And we talked a little bit about boundaries to make sure that you're not defined just by this too, because you could have a rough class or rough conversations that could impact you just like bad work meetings and stuff did. So do you have any strategies that you're using now? I'm far more aware of it this go around. I think it means more because, you know, I, I always remember my dad used to say to me, you know, early on in my career where I would be super stressed about something and he would always say, your name's not on the door. So, you know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, remember that. Well, now my name is on the door. And, (laughs) but I think with, with that said, there is a responsibility that if I'm going to run a business and I'm going to employ people and I'm going to do the job to the absolute best of my ability, then that also requires me to give a hundred percent. And the only way I can give a hundred percent is if I take care of myself. Mm-hmm. So I'm more conscious to making sure I go out and get a walk or I get some exercise or, you know, I engage with my friends. I, you know, talk to my parents a thousand times a day. I'm with my kids as much as I possibly can. I'm with my husband yeah. as much as, you know, we, we maximize, we, you know, work hard, play hard. But mentally, I try to free up space to allow for that because by taking that kind of space and that distance away, you know, from the business, it brings me back with fresh eyes and ears so that I can like go back and give it a hundred percent. It's all, it's all a balance. It's all, it's all a juggling act and you're taking from one to give to another. And I think as long as you have self-awareness to recognize what your needs are every day, and actually execute upon that, it, it, for me, it's working. Yeah. And sleep, sleep, mandatory sleep. I, 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 I'm, I'm a, you know, 10, 12 hour a night girl. Like I, you know, a, wow. a, a five hour people say, Oh, I only get five hours of sleep. I'm like five hours. That's a nap. That's not a, that's, not a, 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 <laughs> that's like, you know, but that sleep really, really restores my brain so that I can get up and do it again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. Sometimes I think it's almost like a badge, like, oh, I didn't sleep much and I don't sleep much. And for me, I'd rather get sleep. And sometimes I don't sleep well. And I, I like the days when I do. I mean, I feel much better too. So I'm a whole different person. I promise you, you probably do not want to interview me or talk to me. Had I not slept the night before, I'm, I'm not super friendly. <laughs> it just it really, really affects me so much. So I, I really, I, I, I put myself to bed early and make sure that I, that I get the rest. Yeah, that's good. So as far as Lighthouse goes, who's the ideal person to come to Lighthouse or maybe one or two situations? Yeah. I mean, our, I would say our, our demographic is women 35 to 80. Sweet spot is probably the, the 50, 60 year old, 40, 50, 60, but really it's designed and open to hit all of those life stages that we were talking about. That might be raising responsible kids. And again, not when they're infants and toddlers, but really when they start to get to that teenage years, where it's, you know, you're caring for loved ones when your your best friend has cancer and you're trying mm-hmm. to navigate what that looks like, how you can be supportive. Maybe you're starting your own business, you know, and 
You want to meet other women that are in the same boat that are getting their businesses off the ground. There's a lot of wellness and mindfulness stuff that we do, whether it's sound baths or meditation practices. It's again, dealing with your stress levels. The the person that is ideal for Lighthouse is somebody that A, wants to talk and really wants to live a more intentional and purposeful life and be more authentic and is willing to share their stories with others. Someone that wants to meet new people outside of their circles. You know, this isn't bring your besties and all come in. The Mm -hmm. point is if your besties put them in different classes, like, you know, you really want perspective and wisdom. So somebody that's open to seeking that and somebody that just wants to find a bunch of new friends that they never thought they had. For me, some of my bestest friends are people I've never even met. They're online. They're in London. They're in Spain. They're in the Netherlands. They're in Africa. They're in the Hamptons. You know, haven't met these people, but I talk to Mm -hmm. them very regularly because we have a common denominator. And you'd be amazed at, you know, how much conversation and friendship and love and support goes into that when you're all dealing with the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. And it is it is fun. Like, I mean, one benefit of what's happened over the last couple of years is there's been this ability to recalibrate how we feel about online connection. Yeah. Right. And yeah. and I I'm meeting some women on Friday who I met on in Clubhouse, that app Clubhouse. Yeah. yeah. And we all met in this like creatives group for England that I just yeah. joined because, you know, you had time. Right. And now it's these cool women that one's an artist, one's a photographer. We're going to some art museum thing yeah. or art installation. I would have never gone to that, but now they asked me and right. it's just cool, you know, it's and we can cool. meet now. But like, yeah. I have some friends who are in different countries too that I just met online just from comedy gigs. And so it's a yeah. similar thing where, and you are close and you are connected, even though you've never met. And, but like 10 years ago, when you would say something like that, people thought it was kind of weird. Yeah. Now it's normal. Yeah. Now it's just how it is. And it was so interesting because when I was launching Lighthouse and the first two years of my business, I was incredibly insistent about it being in person. And it was. And the feeling was exactly what we were talking about earlier. I'm a master multitasker. And the likelihood of you getting me on a conference call and doing the laundry, feeding the dogs, responding to any email, you know, sending out a letter, whatever I was doing, it was all happening simultaneously. But when you're in person and you put that phone down, you're looking at somebody. You are sitting in someone's joy and their fear and their sadness. You're present. You're like, I'm not moving until I know that you're okay. Or they're not leaving you until they realize that you're okay as well. When I had no choice but to open up these classes and events to go virtually, I was blown away how receptive other people were about needing to talk and to continuing the the conversation so that they didn't feel alone. And the fact that all of these people from, you know, around the world were finding out about me. I remember some woman from the Netherlands called in and I said, "I, I don't mean to sound unprofessional, but like, how did you find me? Like, I'm so happy to know you, but how on earth did you even hear about us? And it really was just very humbling and it's been extraordinary. And I've met some of the most incredible people that I really, really look forward to meeting in real life, in person soon. That's wonderful. And I do think that just forming those connections is super important. It's really, I like that it's expanded 
your way yeah. of looking at your business too. Cause also the one thing with online is it became more accessible to people. Yeah. Which is something I didn't think about yes. personally because that's not been a barrier for me, but just that people either who couldn't maybe afford to be transported somewhere or transport themselves or physically couldn't get places. Now they can just be online, which is amazing. Yeah. And I was always worried about like, I'm over zoom. I can't get on another zoom call, but some of the stuff, not all of it. Some of the stuff is you actually probably might feel more comfortable being in the privacy Mm -hmm. of your own home to have a conversation, even though you're looking at other people and they can still see you. Sometimes people prefer that at least until they feel comfortable to then take an in-person class. You know, so there are there are a lot of added benefits to it. Oh, awesome. So we've talked quite a bit about what you do and, and your habits, but do you have any advice or mantra that you just like to share with people that kind of is a touchstone for you? I'm always taking advice and, and stuff from other people. You know, I, I, I think right now it's just try. It's very simple. It's you don't know what you don't know and you know, if there's something that you want to do, then then work hard and and lay it out and keep at it. And there's going to be so many times that you're going to fall. I continue to fall every day, but I also get back up. And I encourage people to to do that. Just one foot in front of the other, one day at a time. And intensely. <laughs> yeah, great. The next set of questions I have is the fun five. They're just five more fun questions that I like to ask everybody. So the first one, what's the oldest t-shirt you have and still wear? Well, that's easy. I went to the University of Pittsburgh. So the oldest, it's a sweatshirt. It's not actually a Mm t-shirt, but it is my Pitt sweatshirt that I bought freshman year, you know, also known as 1922. And it is... tattered and hold and has been washed a million times. So it's got giant holes in it, but it's still together. My daughter now wears it to death. My husband has worn it to death. My son has worn it. You know, it's like one of those things, like we throw it in the wash. We never put it in the dryer. It needs to be handled with care. If I didn't love it so much and still wear it, I would probably have it framed and put it somewhere in my office just because I have so much love for it, but we're still in the wearing phase. So we won't retire that until it's literally, it can't be worn by anybody else. Awesome. That sounds like a really nice sweatshirt. Actually. I like how it's a community. Our family only. Someone said, can I borrow that? I'm like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, I'm sorry. You're cold, but no. I agree. Those are good boundaries. Yeah. See. Um, All right. So it felt like a bit like Groundhog's Day during the lockdown times everywhere. So if every day was really Groundhog's Day, what song would you ever your alarm clock play every morning? Oh, early in the morning by the Gap Band. I mean, there's in 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 that song there are I believe roosters crowing in the open to the song, and it's like okay, here we go, another day get out of bed. Let's go and do this. But you should listen to it. It's very motivating and soulful. Cool. And I'll check it out. And I have a Spotify playlist with everyone. Oh, okay. on them, which oh, has become okay. a little bit weird, this but yeah. A, so. this, is a, this is a good one. This is a good, be a good addition. Okay, cool. And coffee or tea or neither? Tea. I have never had a cup of coffee in my life, but my chai tea latte with almond milk, it's mandatory. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. I can't function without it. I just need it in the morning to wake up and then I'm good. 
And then yeah. but definitely tea, definitely tea. And you yeah. being in London, I have to imagine tea. I have had way more tea than I ever had. I'm still a coffee person, but I do have tea instead of coffee sometimes when I realize that's just having good judgment. Yeah. I think like an English proper breakfast tea for you would be, you know, it's yeah. a ritual in London. It's part of what you do. Yeah. So I do have a lot more tea than I used to, for sure. Can you think of something that like makes you laugh so hard you cry or just cracks you up or last time that happened? I just like to hear what, what makes people tick in that way. You know, that's actually an easy question for me to answer. That would be my bestest friend in New Jersey. And the sheer thought of seeing her face, I can hear her laughing without even seeing her face. But we have such a raw conversation and relationship that nothing is off the table. And we keep it real. And the dialogue, the exchange, it's just priceless. And again, anytime I think of any conversation, any of them, I, it, yeah. I, it, it, it hurts my stomach because I already feel the, the big belly laugh coming on. Oh, that made me smile just because my best friend is like that. Like we just start laughing. And- yeah. You just it, like it, the worst possible situation you could ever imagine. <laughs> you will find the humor in it or we will find the, like, it's so bad that you I can't even believe that you said that. But yeah. funny, it is you. You need you need people like that, and she's yep. she's it for me. Awesome. All right, and the last one: who inspires you right now? There are a lot of people that inspire me right now. I think if, if to answer that question as of today, I, I, I would say anybody that is choosing to live their life authentically. And showing up to do so, it's, you know, somebody that is really looking to go through personal growth and is, again, it's not willing just to do it, but is really willing to do the work and make the effort and make the time. It's not an easy thing to do at all. So I have tremendous respect and admiration for the people that are, are, are choosing to make that a part of their lives. People that are choosing to say no to the things that they really just don't want to do, whether that's meeting different friends or getting away from toxic relationships or staying in when everyone else is going out or starting a new business that's at the worst possible time or any of those things. People that are taking a risk to do something that they're authentically passionate about, those are the people that I want to surround myself with and those are the people that that are really inspiring me living their truth. That's great. And I think, yeah, you're right about surrounding yourself with those people. So speaking of that, how do people find lighthouse and also find you? Cause someone might just want to find you also and, and sign up. Yeah. I mean, please. My, my website is find your lighthouse and that's L I G H T h o u s e dot com, and they should check the the schedule there for classes and events because you know every week they change. People can reach out and email me directly. I'm Corey C O R E Y at findyourlighthouse dot com, and there's always ways to get in touch with us through the website as well. But you can definitely see you know people that we partner with, the types of classes we offer. I always encourage people to go to the website to see the testimonials because it's very easy for me to sit and shout from the rooftops of how great we are and how much pride I have. And obviously I'm going to feel that as the, as the owner, but to hear 
and see it from other people that have participated in our classes that are still participating in our classes, it's a completely different thing. And no, I, I don't only put the good ones on there. I put the all of them that are real. And I, I think people can make their own opinions about what they see, what they like, and also just based on the topics. Come try it out. Your first class is free. So you have oh, that's good. nothing to lose other than, okay, do I feel safe? Do I feel that this is something that's speaking to me right now? And am I open enough to meeting others that are going through it and, and learning and growing? And, and at the end of the day, laughing. You got you to gotta laugh. Yeah, I agree. Well, thanks, Corey. It's been really great talking to you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It's really nice to meet you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about the guest and what was talked about in the show notes. Joe Mafia created the music you're listening to. You can find him on Spotify at Joe, M-A-F-F-I-A. Rob Metke does all the design, for which I am so grateful. You can find him online by searching Rob, M-E-T-K-E. Please leave a review if you like the show and get in touch if you have feedback or guest ideas. The pod is on all the social channels at, at More Than Work Pod or at Robbie Comedy on TikTok and the website is morethanworkpod.com. While being kind to others, don't forget to be kind to yourself.